G'day everyone and welcome to the, would I, would I call it the ceremonious return or the much anticipated return of another buddy movie podcast? I'm not sure, but who cares? We're in Melbourne, lockdown's over, the movies are back baby, and what better film to talk about being back to the movies at than the brand new James Bond film, No Time to Die. It's been out in the rest of the world and it's coming out in Australia this Thursday on November 11th. We here at another buddy movie podcast were very graciously uh, invited by the good folks at Universal Pictures to go see an early screening of this, and we, as Bond fans, we cannot wait to talk about this. And joining me is a fellow Bond fan and someone during lockdown last year. I became well, we both became just a little bit obsessed with Agent 007, just a little bit, and a little bit. Past and future, past guest, and also future guest because he's here right now. Uh, Matthew Corigliano, thanks for joining me. Oh, no problems, man. It's great to be back. Yes, ideally we were, so the recording, we're recording this on Sunday night, um, ideally we were going to record this straight after we saw the film on Friday, but yeah. we were both a little tired and yeah. a little bit, a bit drained uh, physically and emotionally by the film, but also from another, a bunch of other external factors, so, but now we've had a bit of time to sit on it and we're going to talk about it, so ideally Definitely. we want to keep this spoiler free because you know, a, majority, a majority of our audience is in Australia and pretty much most of the country has not seen this yet because from what I understand, I think from the screening that we went to, I believe is yeah. so far to, to right now, I believe the only screening of this, yeah. that's happened in this country uh, thus far. Yes, indeed. And, uh, and it was, and it was, it was a privilege to be there. We had, do have a lot to talk about, so we'll try our best to keep it spoiler free, but, um, but uh, we'll see how that goes. So where do we even start? Well, firstly, we should say um, in September, September last year during the lockdown, yeah. back when all of the films were on stand and when this film was originally slated to come out in November of 2020, um, uh, Matt and I committed ourselves through the entire month of September, or I believe, I think we watched the, all 24 films in, within the first 24 days. Of September, uh, I think we I mean, did it. I think we did it maybe two or three days after, but I think I think that's pretty close to correct. Pretty much averaging one a day. We did a couple. We did a couple of uh, double duties. Yeah, we needed a couple of days off. Like I think after view view to a kill, we were like, oh boy. Like we were <laughs> we full on to... exhausted after that. Yeah, I mean the, the tail end of Roger Moore's. Even though I think I think we're both on the same page on Octopussy that Octopussy is terrible, but yeah. it's a blast to watch. It is just a ridiculous yeah. amount of fun. It's a bit of a lot better than View to a Kill. Let's put it it's, that it's way. A, yeah, I mean uh, uh, Octopussy I found was a good bad movie. View to a Kill not so much. View to a Kill was just sort of painful and it had everything it just, to be a good, bad James Bond movie and it just wasn't. And it was just, and it was just the immense sign that Roger Moore went two films too late. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, he the, the, the last shot of A View to a Kill is him, like, I think in the shower with Tonya Roberts and it's like the little, yeah. it's a little robot that Q is like uh, controlling and he's <laughs> like snooping in on to see what 007 is doing and Bond throws a towel on the top of him to like obscure the camera. And yeah. it's literally Roger Moore throwing in the towel. Like I don't Lit think, you know, I, I think just, you couldn't end. You couldn't have ended Roger Moore's could, uh, reign yeah. with a more fitting uh, a way to do that. I mean, the I mean, the man was the king of the one-liner, and he he probably in terms of cheesy factor, he was right up there. So I reckon that was probably, if not the most fitting way. It it just had to happen that way. It couldn't have been done anywhere else. Yes, but we became a 
tad obsessed with uh, James Bond over this lockdown period. And yeah. I think we have since become, I would say not super fans, but the step below that, I think. And like, I have, I've really immersed myself into the world of James Bond yeah. by also like reading up Certainly. a lot about like the production of these films, listening to a bunch of podcasts, uh, most, most specifically, uh, even going to the extent of getting a Stitcher premium subscription where I just to listen to all of the back episodes of the James Bonding podcast. Yeah, shout out to um, James Bonding. Uh, done by Matt Gawley and Matt Myra, I believe over in Los Angeles and on, on, I think the Earwolf network and yeah, their podcast is just fantastic and is just a great source of just fun and, and stuff for bond nerds, even though they say they're lovers, not experts, they are both incredibly, yeah. incredibly knowledgeable about James Bond. And like, we're getting there. We're not going to get to their level of thing. Cause we're, we're very late comers. We're real yeah. late comers to the world of James Bond and you know, but now we're, we're hooked. Yeah, we're very much hooked. Uh, not sure if it's the best time to be doing that now with, um, I think we're going to get into it, but it's very, it's going to be very clear of like, where the hell does James Bond go for no time to die? <laughs> well, we will get to that point and it'll be a, a very contentious point of discussion for pretty much everyone that sees it. Yeah. Everyone will have their thoughts on it. Should yeah. we, should we uh, get to that? Point. so how like going into no time to die how do we feel about i guess craig's bond overall and uh well i'll ask you first and then i'll i'll you know this is how a podcast works guys i'm not sure if you know <laughs> um matt uh how do you feel about craig's tenure as bond so far and i guess this is a good jumping off on point as do you think that this is a fitting end for daniel craig as james bond um yes 100 percent a fitting end to his tenure as bond and to be honest, there has been a, in my opinion, a mixed, sort of a mixed bag from him because Casino Royale was excellent, probably my favourite of his five. Quantum of Solace, missed opportunity with, with the writer's strike, we would never know. Could have been a good movie out of that, we will never know. Skyfall, I've changed my opinion on Skyfall since my first viewing way back and then we rewatched it in September last year, we... I had a, a few different thoughts on it. Might need another rewatch just to sort of confirm everything. Spectre. <laughs> just the less said about it. Spectre, the better. The less said about Spectre, the better. It's just a to it. It's just a long slog that does not need to be watched again. And No Time to Die. Probably, it makes up for those last two. Or makes up for Spectre, hundred percent. Because that was one of our main worries. We were talking about this when we were in the cinema waiting to start. We said, we just hope it's not Spectre two. I mean, but in a lot of ways, it sort of is because it's carrying sort on of. a lot of what happens with Spectre without necessarily retroactively changing anything of, of, of like the bad things in Spectre. Like it sort of doesn't necessarily embrace yeah. them, but it just kind of accepts that they're there and just like, we're just not really going to, we're just not really, we're, we're, we're going to accept that this stuff is here, but we're just not going to really address it. It's like that happened but we're over that now this we're doing something completely different now we're just going yeah. along with it the only thing that really you know i mean i think the thing with specter is it was trying so hard to sort of be on her majesty's secret service a lot and in terms of the relationship that uh bond has with madeline swan which is a layer like. character and in a lot of ways like in inspector i did not buy their relationship at all nah. like you watch that film and you're like really after all this time this is who bond falls for really it, and it's the, just, just the irony of Bond falling for like, what, what is she like a psychologist or something like that? I mean, uh, the irony is there. Yeah, psychologist. The, yeah, the irony there, the irony is there. And it's like, haha. 
but like that that would never happen but like here in no time to die maybe it's just because it's like actually finally got to develop to that point it really works and both uh, both craig and leia sadur i think this is probably this is probably craig's best performance probably since sky i think skyfall is probably his best performance as bond but yeah. like this is this and casino royale are a close second uh yeah yeah i'm the same with that did this will no doubt to die would definitely be my top two and i think this was the first time in a while that there's been i don't, I don't know i can't quite recall it's been the first time they've tried some sort of continuation within the series but i think craig craig's tenure has started that trend because there was sort of it there was sort of a, a transition in casino Royale and quantum because quantum basically starts yeah. Yeah, and minutes right, after the end of right, casino yeah because it's uh the, the yeah, casino royale ends with him shooting mr white as like his estate yeah. and then it's the next scene is uh bond driving through there's that great car chase that opens quantum oh, of solace awesome. and then mr white's just like it's just thrown in the boot of that car and it so that was the first time it really happened and then mm. they did a mini reboot with skyfall because it went back it sort of went back to referencing um Bond being, you know, uh, inexperienced and um, inexperienced and um, not exper inexperienced in the field. Like, well, like yeah. going back to that Casino Royale uh, reboot, and then and then it went to Spectre again, where it completely changed it, and then that continuation came by again. So it was a yeah. bit of a half and half of it. Yeah, well, just just on Skyfall to touch on there, like. I've heard a lot of things because if you look at the timeline of James Bond and like, if you're all to assume that every single one of these bonds, like from Connery all the way through to Craig is all the same character, then the timeline no. of this movie makes the, the timeline of this whole series makes absolutely no sense. But I kind of, that, that's kind of one of my issues with Skyfall. And like, I'm sort of echoing the sentiments here of a past guest and friend of the show, Glenn Falkenstein, and also a fellow Bond obsessive. Yes. He's saying that one of his problems with Skyfall is, and I get it, it was because of the, you know, Bond, it came out in 2012, which was the 50th anniversary since the film series started with Dr. No back in 62. It was the fact of like, it, it kind of took away from the first two of Craig's where he was sort of this scrappy, reckless newcomer that then, but then come to Skyfall, he's like an old dog that can't play by the rules or like, you know, an old dog that can't learn, you know, whatever it is. But it's like, yeah. it's basically, if we're to assume what happens, it's like Casino Royale and then Quantum is the beginning of it. Then Dr. No all the way through Die Another Day happens and then it's <laughs> Skyfall. And then it's like, I can't figure that out. It doesn't whatsoever. make any sort of sense. No. But we can't exactly work that out. It's just it's just up to interpretation from it's I think it's just up to everyone that watches to make their own interpretation. I guess that's the fun of it if you think about it that way. Just speaking on Craig as well, like a, a criticism that I don't really get with Craig and like sometimes I guess it's valid with a couple of the films is that the Craig is humorless and I don't find that at, that at all. No. It's like they, they say like Craig is like way too stoic or that he's uh like a bit too, like too much of a stick up his ass. And he's like a bit too, like, he's almost too Serious. intense. Like he's almost yeah. like, he, he's like on like this sort of like, uh, like Timothy Dalton level. And like, I get that's like, like what a lot of the fans of Bond want. They want like, you know, the very, very cold, clean cut sort of like ruthless sort of person that like that Fleming wrote about in the novels. But like also Daniel Craig is funny. And He's even, very funny. even in like some of the other films, he has like great comic time, not, not necessarily comic timing, but he's got humor to him. And 
I think this also might be a factor a factor of uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge um, from Fleabag being brought in to like uh, do like help out with this script of like it must be like they realized well two films came out in between Spectre and No Time to Die and they were um, Logan Lucky and, and Knives Out Knives and out. it's like people realize like oh Daniel Craig's fucking funny and it's like no, just. In this, it's just, like it has that sort of it has all of the hallmarks yeah. that uh, Craig has brought to this character. But I think more than any other film, Craig's brought a bit more levity to this character than he has yeah. in previous years. Sometimes not all of the sort of one-liners work, and they are yeah. like I heard you groan audibly in the cinema at some of them. But like you know, but it's the it's there, and Craig can and does pull them off. He's he's a very funny guy because one thing I I, I really noted about about no time to die was it was very very funny we were the whole this was a quite a, a few people quite a few people in the audience we were laughing quite a lot there was a lot of there was a lot of humor we were actually la full-on laughing at some of the lines and that was very very unusual compared to other films and, and i've actually loved it hmm. and i actually and i actually really loved it and it, unlike the, I mean, not that it's like, unlike the Roger Moore films, which, you know, like they completely just like lean full on into like, whole, like really lean into the camp. Like this film has that, but it doesn't, it doesn't detract anything from the yeah. real sort of, and like, like this film is very rightfully so going to be compared with On Her Majesty's Secret Service because the director, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, has said repeatedly that On Her Majesty's Secret Service and Casino Royale are his two favourite Bond films. And I guess I can say that they're t my two favourites as well, and I'm going to assume that they're yours too. Pretty close to it. Because, uh, like, uh, so much of... Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish what you were saying. Oh, pretty... Oh, it'd be pretty close to it because... Because I felt we were... When we discussed at the time when we watched On Her Majesties, we both noted that it was a very different take on the Bond character. It, it was the first real instance of Bond having affection for someone else, yeah, having... And a, deep relationship and not being like what Connery was like, the the womanizer yeah, the and, womanizer, and the, yeah. the womanizer guy that he was. And it was just was just a refreshing take on the character. And I thought and I thought that's why it was so good. And it was such a shame that Lazerby only got one film. Yeah, I, I don't normally agree with the consensus that like uh, a lot of Bond fans would have liked to have seen Connery in on Her Majesty's because I just don't no. think it would work with him. It would have been a worse film because it was because the way Connery's Bond is just very, very different. And if it, it had him being with Tracy and being in that long-term relationship, it just wouldn't have been the same. It just would have felt a lot different. And But Lazenby had that that charm, that... Um, what would be the other word? Uh, would gravitas be the correct word? I'm not yeah, too sure. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and it, for, that, for a guy that hadn't acted before, I believe, like the guy was a male model from Queenbean. So, you know, <laughs> who basically tricked, I think, Cubby Broccoli into thinking that he had more acting experience than he did. And the first time, speaking of Lazenby, um, I'm sure most of the audience will recall that um, Treyas a horror segment from The Simpsons about the, with the talking house with Piers Brosnan. And, and when they flicked through the voices, um, Bart says, "Oh, how about 007? And then Marge says, "George La says George Lazenby." He's like, "George Lazenby? No, yeah. he's Brosnan." So we worked out yeah. that that's Marge Simpson's favorite Bond, but no, yeah. But then she wouldn't like, have worked. I'll only have him because he was Remington. Uh, uh, that was yeah. yeah Remington I, that was Steel. 
Oh, that was terrible. Like, you're going to hear, you just heard my awful attempt at a Marge Simpson, <laughs> at Marge Simpson impression. But let's but, talk about No Time to Die. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. Do that all night. But this film specifically, we're mentioning On Her Majesty so much because, like, I mean, the two best films, like, you know, as we said, On Her Majesty's obviously, but Casino Royale also borrows, not necessarily borrows heavily, but, like, it has so much of that On Her Majesty's DNA, like, all over that film, like, not only with, um, not only with uh, Craig's relationship or Bond's relationship with uh, Vespa Lind, played by Eva Green, who is just, you know, the, the, I still think Vespa Lind is the most complex, most interesting, and probably one of the yeah. most attractive Bond girls out of all of yeah, them. Yeah, 100%. Like, she's easily the best, I find. But, yeah, here, here, all of that On Her Majesty's Secret Service DNA is rife throughout um, No Time to Die. I say rife as if it's a bad thing, but it's great. But it's also not only, like, thematically and, like, narratively... Like, narratively as well, because it's also, like, No Time to Die, I feel, is a film where, much like On Her Majesty's, it's narrative... The narrative is so secondary to everything else. Like, if you look yeah. at the plot of both On Her Majesty's and No Time to Die, they're kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. This, this, uh, there were points of this movie where I was struggling to work out what the plot was, but it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, no. there wasn't... That wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but, but and yet it still works so well. Yeah, and I mean, they didn't have a plot, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, most of these Bond films often have convoluted or just downright nonsensical plots, but like you know, it's got everything that makes Bond good, though. Like, yeah. I mean, here it elevate here it's got like you know the core relationship with um with uh, Bond and Swan here, which as I said, like I didn't I didn't buy it at all, Inspector, but no. here I like I was completely on board with it. It gave I think for the first time in probably since probably since Casino that it gave Bond some true personal stakes. Like he's never had any sort of personal stakes. It's all about defeating defeating the bad guy and blowing up a lair and, and yeah. that being the end of it. But it uh, gave Skyfall has a little bit. Skyfall had a little with, bit of that. With Emmett it. has a little bit, but yeah, but not, not as, much, as much as here. Not as much, but I think that was the first time in a while that it had, like, Bond had some personal, and it, and it helped with his character. He wasn't just some, the spy we all know and love. He, he, he had a bit more to his character. Yeah. It was the first and time in a while that happened. Even so, like, I mean, we should talk about this film in isolation and not just refer it back to On Her Majesty's, but I think that's what kind of makes this movie so great for Bond yeah. fans and also just for the legacy of this character, specifically with where how this film ends up without spoiling it. And, you no. know, and, and getting back into the point of, like, where does Bond go after this? Which I guess, like, you know, at the end of On Her Majesty's, you're kind of thinking the same thing. Even, like evoking on her majesty's secret service even just down to what hans zimmer does by like pulling the musical cues from on her majesty's not only with at various points like pulling like the theme the opening titles theme from that like not directly but like in like no. certain moments but then also like, the couple of times that um the louis armstrong all the, all the time in the world song is used like in the instrumental version of that it's just you know it, it like pulling that so perfectly, and I think that's a good point of a good time to talk about Hans Zimmer, which I was a bit skeptical about Hans Zimmer doing Bond. Is like, is he just going to make it really, really Hans Zimmer, or is it going to be the perfect marriage Bondish. between Bond and his own sort of musical sensibilities? And thankfully, like, and it worked. It works so well because I think Hans Zimmer has an incredible amount of respect for this series and also, you know, people with the likes of John Barry and, you know, uh, uh, all the other people that have sort of worked 
of the series throughout. And I think this score is, yeah, as I said, the perfect marriage of both his own personal sort of sensibilities and also the classic Bond sound. Yeah, it just it just fit really well because you know, because I'm I'm not too in depth of composers, but I do know them. Um, but it really worked because you know we know, but it really worked. Like we noticed during the que- the credit sequence when they're playing the themes over again. It's like you're commenting on, oh, it just fits really well. And I was like, yeah, because it it had that bombasticness to it. Yeah. Yeah, it still had that Bond flavor. Yeah, and I think so I think that Bond that just that vital Bond flavor. Yeah, it has that vital Bond flavor, but then also the bombast that you speak about as well. It's sort of bringing in like Hans always has these big sort of epic swells yes. and like, you know, this very loud yeah. sort of, right. you know, this epic sort of music. Yeah. And I think that is sort of needed for this film because it's the end of an era for Craig as Bond. And, you know, I yeah. think it's needed and I think it works so, so well. And sort of continue on with that music theme, we should talk about the theme. Uh, Billy Eilish's theme. Yeah, when I first heard it, I wasn't. Uh, it's growing on me. I'll say that. Like, it's a bit yeah. too. It's a bit too slow. It doesn't really ever reach the sort of heights as like any other. Like, I'm not a music scholar, so don't roast me for me not knowing about music and in terms of things like that. It it does have those sort of those, those uh, trademark Bond elements in there. Like, it has that really. It has a fairly prominent guitar sort. Uh, I don't know. It's not that prominent, but it's got the sort of guitar thing it's not like the vic flick guitar that from the classic thing it's got the horn hits like throughout but it's a bit slow it's a bit too sam smithy for my liking but it's a lot better mm. than the sam smith song it was a lot better because because i because i what i noticed in the title sequence as well um i actually found this out after the fact um they included like little elements from like harking back to previous films to yeah. craig's previous films that they're very hard to notice, but you did see them. Yeah, but they were there. As, and I, as, think, as, I think it yeah, does work with the title sequence as well. Even yeah. though, like, the title sequence is a little bit too on the nose. It's like, hey, it's all about time, guys. So here's all of these cogs and, like, mechanical clocks and hourglasses to tell you it's all about time. You know, no time to die. Time. It's all there. But, 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 it, but it, was a, it, was a, it was a better theme than um, Spectre. Than um, writing on the wall, but I reckon I reckon as a modern Bond theme, it's probably one of the better ones. I think it's got. I think Billie Eilish. You know, there was a bit of you know people were like, "Wait, really? You got her?" But I think <laughs> I think she is a good choice. Not only just because you know she's sort of the flavor of the month pick that they normally yeah. get for these Bond songs, but I think she, I think she does have a good Bond. Uh, she does have a good Bond, Bond sound. voice. Yeah, it's got that Bond. Um, it's got that, like we've seen with many in the past. It just, I felt, because when I listened to it, when we heard it for the first time, it, it just fit, I think it, it just sounded Bond theme It's just really hard to explain. It's yeah. just that the style, of, the style of the song just fit the Bond theme. Even if, say what we want about if it's a good song or not, but it just fit the Bond theme, I, I think, well. I also think lyrically as well, from the point of which the film goes into the title sequence, which, um, by the way, I don't think it's really a spoiler to say that the world is not enough has been thoroughly eclipsed by No Time to Die by having the longest pre-title sequence. But I think, you know, listening to the lyrics even before the film, listening to the song like way before the film came out, um, I was listening to it being like, I'm guessing that the lyrically, I'm guessing this is in Bond's voice because if you listen to the lyrics, there's like, 
things like um are you death or paradise and i thought maybe is this coming from swan because it's like you know i've fallen for a lie and like faces from my past return it's like all of these lyrics i'm thinking it's who is it from who is it from and like it, i can still see it being from either but li listening to it again i think it's definitely in bond's voice and i feel like a lot of the best bond songs are sort of in his own voice yeah in, like his yeah, own sort his, of monologue, would, yeah. basically yeah yeah like, but we, we never hear that but yeah. it's just and, it's just what we would say and from the point of the where the opening credits start, I believe as well, where it sort of goes into that, I think it was like sort of the perfect place to put it, even though like a lot of people will probably say the pre-title sequence is way too long, but I think of where it goes on from it, it, the song really hits harder because it's sort of narrating like what the character is feeling at that yeah, specific it, point in time. And I think it, it sets the think, tone for the film. Yeah. Because it just leaves, because it leaves you, because when, when that, does here. It just it just leaves you with that bit of uncertainty about what happened, what will happen next. And um, and honestly, when when I saw that, I, I had a few. I'm trying to say non-spoilerish, um, but um, I had a few theories in my head about where it would go. Yeah. Like when at the end of that first part, and I was I was half. I was sort of. They didn't come. They weren't exactly correct, but I just had a few in mind. It sort of got me thinking, which is which I've never done before with um with any of these films. Mm. Yeah, uh, where, where do we even go from next with this? We want to try and keep the plot super vague, but like um, uh, I guess we can sort of just say the main thing of it because it is a bit ridiculous <laughs> into where it goes. <laughs> yeah. But we won't get into the most ridiculous part of what it actually is because it gets a little bit too like, yeah. are you serious? And like, I know Bond went to space before, but like even in Craig's era, which has been fairly grounded and gritty, like yeah. this is a little dumb. Yes. <laughs> but like, so yeah. the, the, the main plot of the film is that like, and you can understand why it was the very first film that like once COVID happened, we're like, no, nah, wait, we're out. <laughs> we're, we're, we're delaying this yeah. because it's kind of about like someone uh, steals a bio weapon that like, uh that targets specific dna sequencing and like yeah it, you can you can weaponize this into a gas and basically kill people based on their own dna sequencing or whatever and, uh, it's a it's bit like, much yeah if it's first when i first when i heard it mentions like oh no way that's like that can't be a coincidence <laughs> it's like that can't be a coincidence and it's like oh because and it's like oh we should quarantine quarantine everyone that's that's been in been in contact of this it's like all these COVID references, I thought that must be just a terrible thing. No, I, yeah, uh, I, de I don't think there was many reshoots on this like during COVID because, you know, it was it was packaged and ready to go. It was meant to come out two weeks before, yeah, two weeks after, sorry, um, you know, everything shut down. It was, so, it was April, April 2020. I, and I think, I think the premiere, the premiere, I think was meant to be like three days, like the premiere was scheduled like three days before COVID hit or no, after COVID hit. So like the premiere was about to happen and then, just everything went to shit. So yeah, mark it down as like a very uh, humorous coincidence, I guess. Humorous coincidence. Not deliberate, but just very, very um, unintentional, let's put it that way. Mm. And I do like, you know, like one of the few things I did like about Spectre is that it actually has all of the MI6 people sort of getting pretty, pretty good screen time and all working yeah. together. And I like that factor here. Like I think... Yeah, I, I really like Ben Whishaw's Q a lot. Oh, I he's like, brilliant. You know, Naomi Harris doesn't get a whole lot of screen time as Moneypenny, but, you know, she's good in the scenes she's in. 
a lot. I really, I'm really warming up to Ray Fiennes as M as well. Oh, like oh, he, oh. he is, he is the reincarnation of Bernard Lee if I've ever seen it. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Because he brought his in every every sequence throughout this film, even the last couple of films. He just, you just hear this the snark and the absolute disdain he has for Bond, and mm. he actually has a few, and that the massive amount of shouting and arguments they have. And it, you're right, it does hark back to that Bernard Lee era when he just had this absolute apathy for Bond. He just flat out hated, flat out annoyed at him in every, every single way. And yeah, he's a, he's a very good end. And I hope, because I don't know where they're going to go with the yeah, cast. If they, if they keep all of this cast or if they com- if they recast everybody for whoever takes the mantle I hope next. they I hope they don't because I think this is a good long-term cast it yeah yeah i think so too it's just it's just going to be interesting to explain how certain events in this film are going to be addressed in the next one who the hell knows but also as well a good two great additions to this cast also jeffrey wright back again as felix awesome i missed missed him so freaking happy he was back uh yeah, and he just—he's just—he is the epitome of cool, Jeffrey Wright. I love seeing—I love him popping up in everything. Like he is well and truly transcended into—I mean, I used to very dismissively call him the poor man's Lawrence Fishburne, and I hate myself for ever calling him that because he's amazing. Because he, he, he just—he's—he been being this character. Is he because even the first time we saw him in Casino, we we. Casino Royale, I should say. Um, it, the, the the chemistry he had with Bond, it was was amazing, and it still yeah. continued to this to No Time to Die. And I thought, why haven't they used him? Didn't they use him more in those previous films? Which is because a real shame. It wasn't. He wasn't tied to with the whole Fleming because he's not in any of Brosnan's. And I was wondering if he was tied to the whole Fleming Kevin McClory sort of thing. He would have then, to be. No, but he shows up in like. A lot of the 80s ones he shows up in both the daltons and in quite a few moors as well so in the majority of the moors yeah um very vividly but 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 no but it was great to have him back he was he's a very he's a very one of the really good characters in this series yeah which should be used a lot more yeah yeah i absolutely love i love his version of jeffrey Wright, and i love him in this one as just sort of you know living Yeah, is, do you think he's like just on assignment in Jamaica, or if he went there specifically looking for Bond? Because he looks like he was re- very much well adjusted to being living in Jamaica. No, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was very. You, you and, could and see that. Like, Jeffrey Wright, you know, shaved head, and he's in like I'm pretty sure he's in like board shorts and a Hawaiian shirt for pretty much the whole movie as well. So you know, <laughs> it was, and it was basically just there. Even to the moments where he was just shit stirring Bond half the time. Yeah. Even especially in the early, early return, it was just shit stirring. So it's def, it was definitely um, well acquainted there. And also, you know, the t- two new um, additions to this cast, who I think were great, uh, Lashana Lynch as Nomi, who is the new 007. Yep, because the, the, we should also say, because we're not really talking about the plot here, but like, um, yeah, because Bond basically retires or is like sort of goes missing for five years after the pre-title sequence of this film, which we should say the pre-title sequence, which you've seen in all of the advertising, which is them in... Uh, Materno, Italy, where they're in the Aston Martin DB5 and they're being chased, and he does the Gatling gun doughies, which is awesome. <laughs> which is oh, insane. And, that is and, just freaking awesome. And and that scene, that first shot of all the trailers was the one where he runs off the bridge. 
does yeah, a, onto does the a cable little stunt jump, swings, yeah. stunt jump off the bridge. Yeah, just to finally see that was really good. But no, that was a very, very good, but very, yeah, very so good then, call open. So then that basically says that, you know, he, he's been he's been out of MI, MI6, don't know where he is. He's been, you know, living life in Jamaica for the last five years. Just like, and he's, he's spearfishing or something. <laughs> there's a shot uh, of him, there's a shot of him shirtless in board shorts walking away from a, <laughs> walking away from the dock and he's got like two massive fish like on a rope. <laughs> Just, just randomly. We, we've never seen Bond into that, but that was very funny. I think that uh, that was a good way of so, of showing his retirement. Yeah, very, very Connery, and he's basically living the life Ian Fleming re- was living. When he was writing Bob. the books. Yeah, yeah. He was living at Goldeneye, probably. <laughs> Wonder if that was Goldeneye. Might have been. Who knows? But yeah, so then that opens the door for you know Nomi, who is Lashana Lynch's character as the new 007. and I really like the sort of. It's not like. It's not really a, I guess it's, it's one that could have been really, really bad. And like, but I think yeah. they're back and forth together and they're, it was really good. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily snarky, but it's clever. It's witty, but not in a way that's very like sort of on the nose. And I think it's, it feels very naturalistic. I thought, well, yeah. not, not just, in that it, sense, but, you no, know, as, no, but it was just... as, as naturalistic as a Bond film could be. I would call it more hilarious awkwardness because hmm. there was this one, there was this, this is not really pot spoiling here, but there was this one sequence when Bond re- returns to MI6 and is walk- and said, yeah, <laughs> and, um, they're, they're the walking, 007, they're, they're walking, walking the together corridor. and there's like morning double O they, they see, um, they see uh, Bond and Nomi to like walking down together. And someone's like, hello, 007, <laughs> 0077, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and then when, and then that last bit, when, when he enters M's office and is can't remember what he says exactly but it was just another snarky line referencing the 007 confusion yeah and like you said it could have been really it could have gone off really poorly but it worked really well but in terms of we're going a bit off track i was about to mention the villain but we haven't mentioned the other probably the greatest 10 to 15 minute stretch that this film has when we go to yeah. cuba when we go to Cuba and we get fucking um, Blofeld's Spectre birthday party, <laughs> that's hilarious. I just love that Spectre are just throwing a huge birthday throwing party. Throwing a giant function. It would be very yeah, typical. Uh, for, for Blofeld while he's in jail, but, you know, then we get into other stuff. But this introduces us to, um, you know, um, uh, Felix Leiter's contact in uh, Santiago, Cuba, which is Paloma, played by Ana de Armas in the in a seam stealing performance my god is she, oh, she was a delight she was a delight she i think every single every single minute she was on it she was it was so enjoyable and she was an absolute it's, delight it's amazing it's it's amazing because it's like well we know from knives out that these two have incredible sort of chemistry with chemistry. each other and not not that it's even sexual chemistry or anything and and you would think they would lean into that because Ana de Armas is you know probably one of the most attractive women in the world it's just banter yeah but it's the also banter. like you can tell that she's like you know i love the fact that her character is like you know still wet behind the ears of what that she said she's only had like th- like she's fresh out of like I only only had three, three weeks, weeks of tra- three weeks of training it, oh. it's that awkwardness it is that awkwardness but it's also the fact of like she's capable but also incredibly awkward but not clumsy and she does it in a way that oh it's just everything about that character is so perfect and it, it's like and even when she rather unceremoniously sort of just bows out from the movie, it's like, I'm glad. Look, do I want more of her in this movie? Absolutely. Am I upset that she's not in this movie more? Absolutely not. Yeah. 
No, but it was, it was quite fun. Was, I think it sort of fit her character really well that the unceremonious way she literally shut the door behind her and she was out. Yeah, I think that was. I think they just fit. I think they just fit the character really well. But and, I, I reckon had she been more of the film, obviously it would have been good. But I reckon it wouldn't have been as good as it was. I think it was just hmm. the right amount and, for and her you, character. And, and you see a lot of a lot of reviews I've seen have mentioned this, but it's like I mean, you would again te- technically categorize her as a Bond girl, which you know that that description's getting looser and looser with the Craig era for sure. But you know, if you look historically throughout the films. Like that's sort of the impact, the sort of impact that the Bond girls have in a lot of these movies. They often have like little stints and then bow out of the movies. Normally, it's because they get killed by the villain right after James Bond, you know, sleeps with them. But like, you know, it's a lot different here. And it's like there's there's a moment specifically that I think sums up everything. It's like as soon as they like as soon as she bows out from it, it's like um Bond just turns to her and is like, "You were excellent," and I'm like, "Yes, she absolutely was. She, she was. You said it, Bond." <laughs> <laughs> no, but she was, she was a. And you you raised, actually raised a good point about the uh, the the changes of the of the Bond girl. Do you feel that they've it, it has got less to find because when you go from Skyfall, was it Skyfall? There isn't really, except for Severin, uh, there isn't really one. I mean, I've seen. I mean, this is where like we're sort of getting into this. I've seen people say that, like, well, technically, if you look at the plot structure, I guess you could technically say that uh, M is a Bond girl in Skyfall, which that's a bit strange. But, yeah, I wouldn't you know. say she is, but I think it's she's she's more of a main character. She usually is there because yeah. I can't remember it was Skyfall or Spectre that had uh, Monica Bellucci. That was Spectre. Spectre. She she was in it for about. She was credited as a Bond girl. She was only in it for about two yeah. three minutes. And also, Bond I think that's. Her and she's gone. I think that's also. I think Monica Bellucci was also the first time since Anna Blackman all the way back in Goldfinger that the Bond the actress playing the the love interest or the the Bond girl for lack of a better word was actually older than the actor playing Bond. Sort of referencing that. It. it there's no. I don't think there's really had. Unless you count. Uh, uh, Doctor Swan is the Bond girl, but, uh, but Inspector, I think she absolutely is. She's you know, the and, and, and Bellucci is this the secondary one, as the you secondary say, Bond yeah. girl. But I think Swan is definitely the main one. But I reckon, I reckon they're sort of trying to change the formula of what of the yeah. of the classic Bond girl. But I think no, they, is they, that a they, sign they, of the times? They have been. Probably. I mean, they've been trying to do that for a long. Like I think even with Brosnan's era, they've been trying to make them like have. I mean, even you can go back even all the way to Dalton, I think, was when they tried to give them more agency. Like, because um, Pam Bouvier in License to Kill in License to has Kill. quite a bit of agency in that film, from what I remember yeah. anyway. It's been a while yeah, since she, she, she was, yeah, a lot, a lot more than the ones that preceded it, certainly. And I think it sort of went from there. They wanted to give them more of a, they wanted to give them more depth in their role rather than just being Bond's, Bond's, uh, Lady friend, and, and that's it, and just a just a sidekick. Like you go back to um, Man with the Golden Gun is a notable one. Um, with uh, with Brit, Maud name? Adams or Britt Eklund, Mar- Mary Goodnight or Mary Goodnight. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, that's it, uh, like, I I I love Man with the Golden Gun more than a lot of Bond fans, but uh, Mary Goodnight. Yeah, uh, that's no, that's no. Uh, not a good character. No, but the, 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 sort of the sort of try to develop it from from that to. Um, having have them overall, and I think that's good. But I think they're sort of changing it again. The sort of will change it again as they go into this new era. 
yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been, you know, there's been a lot more awareness of that sort of thing now that, you know, they, it would be weird if they didn't change it. Even if they were like, well, it's a hallmark of the series. I think they're like, they realize it's like, no, we need to, it's not socially acceptable to do they're that. Not socially we need to change to, it and it's good that, and it's yeah, good and that, they're, that's doing good that, that. they're doing that. Yeah, but I think we should n then move on and get into the villain of the film, which is uh, uh, Lucifer Safin. Or it's basically lucifer safin lucifer yeah. satan you know <laughs> um, played played by rami malik and here's where the film dips a little bit for me here yeah. because i think rami malik could have been a great bond villain he's just a weirdly a non-presence in this film and i think rami malik is an actor that has presence say what you will about him as freddie mercury i think I don't think he's necessarily good as Freddie Mercury. I think there is a good, he is, there is a good performance from him in there. It's just, he yeah. is just given, you know, horrible direction and horrible, you know, a horrible script to do that. I think here, like he gets really short changed in the script because I think he's kind of compelling, you know, like he's a villain that wants to take down Spectre. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Good. I want to see Go where this goes. And he's sort of, it, it's strange because he has goals. He kind of achieves those goals and then he now weirdly has a grudge against Bond or whatever. And I don't understand where no, that goes. No. It just felt it just felt really secondary. It, it did. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a main he wasn't usually in, in Bond films we have villains be a major part. It just it just felt secondary to the um the Bond and Swan plot. It just, it just didn't feel, it just, it just wasn't fleshed out enough. And well, I, I think, yeah, I think is it more by like, he's sort of a villain of Bond by proxy because of like the sort of uh, the history that him and Swan have together, which you also see in like flashback form in the opening sequence. Yeah, I think, I think it has to be that because the only reason he's, yeah, like he said, his only reason he's even conversing with Bond is because of his Bond's connection to Swan is like use Swan to get to Bond and then and then because there is a backstory with that but we won't explain it here trying to keep it spoiler free I think it was basically that it was just it was purely because of his connection to Swan that Safin had any involvement with Bond on Malik's performance as well like he's I don't know I don't know what happened like I think the script just sort of just it's almost like he's obliged to sort of like you know, like, I think the third act of this movie isn't necessarily great. Like, I think this film ends, like, the last 10 to 15 minutes of this film is, spec like, is great and probably, like, yeah. one of the best Brilliant. finishes to any Bond film, probably since Casino Royale. Um, yes, since Casino. And in, but in that, but leading up to that, I think a lot of the third act is kind of, like, you know, like, because I think yeah, the only, like, the, it's kind of, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't, you know, I think in the way that sort of Malik's doing it, he's sort of like a bit too, he's sort of being like restrained crazy. Like, you know, the guy has like incredible, like the guy has incredible presence just through his face alone. I think like he's got those massive eyes that are really sort of magnetic. Whenever you, you see him on screen, yeah. you're like, I want to watch more of this guy. Like he like, and he does sort of bring like this restrained madness to this character, but like, in a lot of his line delivery, it's a little bit sort of, I'm the villain. 
I'm going yeah. to do. I'm going to be evil now. Can't you see? I'm sort of the stuff. villain. Yeah. I must do villainy things. I, I, yes, my lair is in the middle of the in the in the Japanese in the in the sea between Japan and Russia. And do my, you like, my, do you like my, it? my 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 uh, my the way I dress and my my entire compound is very Japanese. But I'm not Doctor No. So that I'm not Doctor No. We're teasing that I'm Doctor No, but I'm not but actually I'm not Doctor, Doctor no. no. I don't have a robotic hand, so I'm not Doctor No. See. <laughs> we will say thankfully that rumor is not true because then oh, that would have built God. on that would have built on from the bullshit for inspector Victor. but then you know it also then wouldn't make sense because dr no was part of specter and part of safin's plan is that he sort of wants to eradicate specter um, for revenge on something which you know it doesn't make an entire actually yeah it does make sense but we won't get but i felt i felt he would have been a lot better had because he features prominently in the opening sequence yes he you know, we did. We don't. We don't know. We don't specifically know it's him until they, until that, till the, till that. Just, just scene. before, just before you go on there, um, it's Rami Malik, who we're going to assume is an adult at this point, who's uh, yeah, in this opening sequence with Leia Sadur's character, who is I guess meant to be like ten or eleven. So yeah. I meant to su su suggest that like um, Rami Malik, who is only four years older than Leia Sadur, is like at least at least 20, 15 to twenty years older than Leia yeah. Sadur. Which I know they give him like you know um, like what is it burn makeup or whatever like yeah they, they, it looks, they sort of like it looks like burn it looks like burn damage or like a yeah. scar or something on his face scarring or something yeah it's another 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 facial deformity a shorthand for being evil which I don't necessarily like in movies but you know it's very cliche nowadays but I, I felt as I was saying I felt that had he been in had he been featured more other than having this long gap between the opening sequence and where he comes along again. Yeah, because I reckon his character would have been a lot better. Yeah, he's, he's there are missing. large swaths of the film where he's nowhere to be found. He's just missing. Because there are, like, secondary villains. There's, I like his henchman, though, uh, Primo slash Cyclops, the guy with the robotic eye. I think he was yeah. really cool. Like, and, and that's the thing, like, Craig's hench... The, the henchmen of Craig's films have been sort of just uh, eh. nothing. And I think Primo, like, Hinks was, like, Inspector, played by Dave Bautista. He was, like, at least he was something. Yeah. But, like, and, and, like, Primo doesn't get, like, you know, he's not a very prominent henchman, but I do like no. a lot of the stuff that he's doing. No, it wasn't been for very long, but, you know, it was good. But, it, but I, I think Craig's henchmen haven't had that memorability or that, or that yeah. iconic feel that the... Bonds in the seventies and eighties had, you know, you remember Jaws, yeah, you know, people like Jaws, just Jaws, for example. Yeah, even remember like, even even Dalton's era, you had the Necros, the guy that with exploding yeah. milk bottles while listening to the Pretenders, you had him, yeah, and then yeah. you also had um, uh, Benicio del Toro in um, uh, <laughs> in License to Kill, with the yeah. greatest line delivery in any James Bond movie. Yeah, don't, and, and, don't, and... don't worry, we took her for a nice honeymoon. <laughs> No, and, and I think that's another, <laughs> and I think that's another change with um, I think that's another change with Craig's yeah. era. And I think it, well. they've had more of a focus on the villains, but as well, it, it's weirdly absent from this movie as well. But I think that's okay. I'm actually not, although I would have liked to have seen Rami Malek have a bit more to do in this film, and then also, you know, his performance is kind of, you know, it's he's doing what he can with a yeah. very very underdeveloped 60, role yeah but 
I, I'm actually not too bothered, but I, I sound like I'm bothered by it, but I'm actually, I'm actually okay with it because it's all the stuff that's, you know, all of the on her majesty stuff that we've said, you know, like this relationship between Bond and, uh, and, uh, Madeline Swan and how that plays out. And, you know, like it, it, it really didn't bother, bother me from that sense. And, you know, I, I was really, really invested in this film and it surprised me a lot because I was, I guess going into it, I was thinking like, I just kind of want this movie to be okay. Like if this movie is just okay, yeah. because you know, as you've sort of said, like the Bond, the, the Craig Bond film sort of have it go in a pattern of good, bad, good, bad, good. And good. luckily it's kept that pattern, even though um, Quantum of Solace is an interesting one. I think there is a great James Bond movie in there. It is just, there's yeah. a lot wrong with it. That's the only. It was you know. just, but we would never. Unfortunately, we'll we never know. know. I mean, because with quantum, because the writer strike, that writer strike probably cost its chance of being a really decent film, but yeah. we will never know. Despite the villain not having too much screen time in this film and being invested, I, I have to agree with that as well because you sort of were, you sort of were, um, you sort of were rooting for Bond and Swan to make it out of. To make to make it to the end of whoever was an escape, whoever was chasing him, and enough, and and that's and that's very rare. It's like I reckon they were sort of trying to do that, Inspector, but it it didn't work, Inspector, but it works so well here. Mm, yeah, hundred percent agree. And I think yeah, as as I was saying before, I think this film, while it doesn't completely ignore Spectre, it kind of and it doesn't actively retcon any of the stuff that was you know in Spectre. It sort of just yeah, as I said, doesn't necessarily embrace it. It acknowledges it's there, sort of accepts it, then moves on. Yeah, just to say, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah specifically with how Blofeld uh, is in this film, which I actually thought was kind of... I like the way that they dealt with Blofeld in this film. And, it's a, yeah, it's and a little bit cartoonish, specifically, very, with, as I said, with the Spectre birthday party, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah very, it was like, very cartoonish. And I think, I think that... I think that was sort of a... Fro I think that was sort of very, um, very 70s in the way that little, the little exchange that uh, Bond and Blofeld have. Mm. I think just the, the, just the taking the, just the snark and the taking the piss out of each other. It was very, very. Um, it was sort of like Skyfall, I felt with like, you know, what that uh, was it with M talking to Silver, reminded me of, a lot yeah. of that, you know, but luckily. Yeah, and Blofeld, you know, he he's missing an eye in this. Does he? Yeah, he he's, he doesn't have an eye in the rest of them because yeah, I don't know because this crystal no, he, does he, he lose it, it at the end of Spectre? Uh, doesn't he get it? Scratched? No, he does. Yeah, no, he does. I think it's it's definitely damaged That's towards right, the end of Spectre, yeah. but and obviously he loses it here. But we, Wait, we don't I did that. not rewatch. I just uh, read the uh, Wikipedia plot summary of Spectre on the on the yeah. on the tram on the train to going to the screening, so I didn't rewatch Spectre. No, but I, I, I remember I remember the scene. Um, mm. But no, he must he lost it in between uh, Spectre and yeah. and this one. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, what what can we? What is there anything else to talk about? Oh, one question: How do you yes. feel? I mean, this, if people think this is a spoiler, just, you know, it, it's completely insignificant to the overall plot. How do you feel about both the Book of Mormon, Wallace and Gromit, and Tamagotchi all being canon in the James Bond universe? <laughs> I'm not too sure, but it, it's pretty clever. But it also gives us, it, it's pretty clever, but it also gives us um, 
unintentionally a, a time frame. Uh, yeah, of where it's like okay, it's the late nineties, basically around this time. Phoebe ninety three. Except so. it's when you know Book of Mormon is um, just a I, again that's probably a Phoebe Waller bridge line for um, uh, Bond describing uh, Felix's new partner um, Logan, uh, Ash. Logan Ash, played by uh, uh, I guess Kerry Fukunaga staple Billy Magnuson. Um, you know, and, and he calls him, you know, and it's good because, you know, it's a funny gag because it's like, oh, well, who's Book of Mormon oh, over so there? Funny when we, oh, it was so funny when we were in there. It's like, it's like you bought the Book well, of Mormon. I, I didn't know that Billy Magnuson was in this film. So like when you probably heard me during the screening, when his name came up in the credits, I said, wait, what? It's like, what? <laughs> like Is it- out of audibly out, maybe a bit too loud. I said, what? <laughs> I don't know. Is no, this, I did I, hear that actually. I understand that you know he's in a lot of Fukunaga's films, but like you know, I just didn't think about that. <laughs> no, but 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 he his character was was, was annoyingly brilliant, annoyingly yeah. good. Well, that's annoyingly that's, good. It, that's you know that's I think Billy Magnuson to a T. <laughs> it's like it's like like he, he's an absolute pest. Like he's he's very annoying in in the scenes that he's in, but he does it. So, but it's not in a bad way it's actually yeah, in a very it's not it's not his way. character from a lad it's not his character from the guy richie aladdin is what you're saying yeah yeah it's actually an entertainingly annoying yeah which is very rare mm. and oh god i was gonna say like i really like the action in this film as we said it gets you know i think it gets i'm not gonna say progressively worse but i'm gonna say progressively i don't know less interesting even though I really like the one in Cuba, I love the one in Paloma at the beginning. I love the sequence in Cuba because, you know, it's, you know, obviously, as I said, Anna de Armas is a huge part of that, but also yeah. I think it's really well done and like, it's incredibly well choreographed. I think that sequence too, you know, cause that's, that's a lot of like, you know, hand to hand combat in that one. And also a lot of, you know, gunplay and all that sort of stuff. And even the opening sequence in, in Italy was even really good. Even the bike chase and the, mm. Exploding and like tombstone. <laughs> and the exploding tombstone. Uh, speaking of that, one thing that I really liked, the sound design. Yeah, the, in that sequence, the, the, yeah. Like it, all the, the, muffled, the muffled sound design. And you can just hear Bond trying to gather his thoughts. I actually really liked that. And, and then from there, the rest of the action sequences, especially with the car chase and uh, the bike chase and the, the donut the donut headlight shooting, the Gatling gun dollies. That was really shot. That whole, basically, that whole first half of action sequences mm. was really, really good. And I didn't really feel the length, to be honest. I think it moves through. No, it, it moves quite a bit. And you know, this got, um, you know, uh, Academy Award-winning editor Tom Cross was one of the two editors who worked on like Whiplash and La La Land and a couple of other. You know, is a da- Damien Chazelle staple. And you know, it also. Speaking of Damien Chazelle, uh, Lena Sandgren, uh, the cinematographer for La La Land, also shot this film. And, you know, I think this is, it's a really beautiful looking film as well. Yeah, 100%. And to go on that bit with the length, like, the, the way I know that I feel a film is dragging along, this is just how I do it, is I'm actually checking my phone for the time, just seeing oh, how long is left. I never, I didn't do that here. Because mm. uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing if a movie's long, mm. but if it keeps the flow going, it's not. Bad. And it keeps you interested. Yeah, and that's what this film was doing. I was I was enthralled the whole way. It's like it just kept you thinking. Like with other longish films, these two and a half hour, three hour films, some I've just found incredibly slow and incredibly boring for various reasons. I won't name certain ones, but mm. there have been ones I watched and I felt like a drag. But this didn't. This wasn't the case for me. 
I, this just went really well, which is a real rarity. Yeah. In terms of flow. Yeah, and you know, it all, it all, it all sort of get crescendos into, I guess the, I guess probably the only way that you could uh, end with Bond, Craig's Bond, which we're not obviously not gonna we're, we're, we're talk not about there, but that. like we, I think we, it's all, it's the culmination. This film is, I guess, the culmination of everything that is Daniel Craig's Bond, both sort of, I would say, sort of good and bad, but definitely more of the good. More I the think good. about Craig. And it, le- it leads to yeah, yeah, and I reckon. I reckon we could sort of lead into that last point, um, going into the to because what I what I sent you last night about where where does the franchise go from here in terms well, of actors, uh, actor, I, um, actor choice. Well, that's the interesting question because who the hell knows? Um, especially now, like you know, with um, uh, the um, uh, Amazon purchasing MGM, of MGM. and I think. And, and you know, like that's that's a big sort of question mark as to what happens. Like, is Amazon going to try and do television with James Bond? Which I hope they don't. I hope know, they and don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Eon and you know um, uh, the Wilsons and the Broccoli's will let them do that. And no, they won't. You know, Thankfully, yeah. I don't Thankfully. know. Like, I don't know. Michael G. Wilson's getting pretty old too. Like, I think he's. I think he might be in his eighties now. So I don't know if he's going to step away. And I think his Barbara son, Broccoli. Barbara Broccoli. Barbara Broccoli is still very. Barbara Broccoli, I think, is more. You know, is more the figurehead with Eon now, and he's like sort of calling all the shots. And I think. Um, I think is it Jake Wilson who is Michael J. Wilson's son? I think is also uh, going to be sort of taking over. But yeah, um, take, like sort of taking over his mantle. But it is going to be interesting to see what direction Bond goes because. Look, I've got in in terms of who should play Bond, I've got two actors in mind, depending on like sort of which direction that they go. Because oh. I've got a feeling, and like I would be, I I'm I'm here for Bond, whatever the hell happens, as long yeah. as you look, just don't cast an American, just like no, no one, don't. no one, make it from either the British Isles or I guess a British colony from Australia, maybe I yeah. don't know. Actually, no. Don't don't hire an Australian, please. Don't. No. And just, they got to be from the British Isles. Yeah, I only accept or Ireland. I can accept another Irish. Bond. Yeah, it's got to be UK. And the, the the key thing, like one trend, I looked this up last night. One trend I noticed: every single Bond actor before they became Bond were unknown. Yeah. They, ha- they well, have to go down that route again. Not not because- necessarily. I mean, you know, like uh, you know, Brosnan had Remington Steele. Like Craig yeah. was Craig was not uh, Craig was known, but he wasn't an A lister, basically. No, and you know, no, Ro- Roger, that, Roger a, Moore yeah, had the Saint as well. So you know, that, that's a better that's a better description. They weren't A listers. Yeah, they weren't A listers. Uh, but that's why I think they're not going to go with like Idris Elba or Tom Hardy or. No, Tom I Holland. think I think I think they missed the boat with Idris Elba. They were about it. They're they're about five years too late if they try no. to get Idris Elba now. But there will be. Um, there has to be a lesser known actor because yeah, they, they always work. Because I don't want honestly, I'm good because I don't want Tom Holland in the role because oh, that's fuck no. Be, I don't want him in the role for many reasons. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with Tom Holland. He's good as a dorky teenager because he's he's good at playing a dorky teenager who's you know a bit you know yeah he's good at playing a dorky teenager. You know what he's not good at? Action. You know he's not an action hero because every like that Uncharted movie looks bloody terrible and Chaos Walking wasn't good. You know, I just I don't buy Tom Holland action star. It's just not him. It's like it's it's different with Spider Man because you know it's 
a lot of the time it's a bloody CGI puppet running around and like, you know, he's occasionally he'll do the stunts and things like that, but it's like, he's not an action star. There's no, there's no, no physicality to the Spider-Man in that Spider-Man role really whatsoever. And that's why I'm confident that despite them being bought, MGM being bought out, that the Broccoli's and the Wilsons still have they'll, they'll some stay, sort of they'll control. They'll stand firm. They'll, they'll, they'll stand firm on that. I don't think that's we're going to so see. That's so key. That's so key. Because... I don't think we're going to see James Bond going to you know Amazon original James Bonds anytime soon. I'm very I, very confident they'll make the right choice in terms of actor. My worry, of the Wilsons and yeah. The well, in terms of, I'm just looking historically at the movies. Like they've sort of you know this movie, the, these movies have always been like sort of reflections of their time and like reflections of what's popular at the time. And like yeah. this is kind of what has me, you know, not necessarily worried, but skeptical about Bond going forward. Because, you know, if you look at the the progression of Bond, it's sort of gone like serious and gritty to camp to serious and gritty serious to camp. Because, you know, um, even though like Connery, even though, you know, it's not that gritty, but, you know, it's got it's 60s gritty. So it's not yeah, you know, see, entirely. Yeah, the 60s. And then you go into Roger Moore, who's full on camp. Then you go into... Dalton, who's a lot, has he's a much more serious. harder edge to him. Then you got Brosnan, who's a bit of he's a mix, half and half. half yeah, and he's half, half and half. Leans a bit more towards the camp, especially camp. with Die Another Day. And then yeah. you've got, you know, um, bon Craig's Bond, who is, you know, very much of a very sort of like cold and gritty, and you know, brings a lot of that sort of intensity to the role. And you know, just looking at that pattern, I can see Bond going campy again. But I'm, I'm just hoping. It's not the camp or the quippiness of say like the MCU because that's oh, like if, if if because like I guess Spectre was sort of like an uh, like a sort of a reflection of the MCU sort of bleeding into Bond and I'm sort of glad they stamped that out a little bit in uh, oh, I'm, I'm No very Time thankful. to Die. I'm just I'm just hoping I'm just hoping they don't go. The, but I think. Like I said, but the Wilsons and the Broccoli still in control. They will not let it go down that path. Yeah, and Barbara is very passionate. From what I've from what I've read, what she says, she's very very. She's she. I reckon she'll guarantee she will not let the yeah. character go down well, the MCU. Route. Yeah, well, she's basically lived her entire life within in the world of Bond because she was yeah. born in what nineteen sixty and Doctor No came out in nineteen sixty two. Sixty two. So her entire life has been Bond. So yeah. you know she's. If anyone's going to be more devoted to Bond, it's going to be Barbara Broccoli. Well, Barbara Broccoli. So that's why I know you say you're very, very skeptical, but I, I feel very confident that the future, that the right choice will be made for the actor and the yeah. future of the franchise will be in very good hands. And in terms of just like casting of like who I think, like in terms of my two choices for like either end, yeah. like if I predict like where Bond is going to be campy, my sort of ultimate pick, even though he's getting towards A-list status now, or, you know, some one might argue he's sort of already at that point, my pick would be Henry Golding. If Bond is going to go down the campy route, then Henry Golding, I think, is going to be the good choice. Because, yeah, be, you know, he can do good. action as well. Like, I know Snake Eyes didn't do very well, but, you know, he's a, he's a good... So, he has physicality to him, and he has charm. He's incredibly he charming. Well. He has he that sort of well. Roger Moore charming. And, yeah, he's handsome as hell. So yeah. get him... And my other choice, my other choice, if Bond was to keep going in the direction that it sort of is now and be a little bit grittier, my choice for that would probably be uh, an actor named Kingsley Benadir, who I haven't seen in too much, but 
He was in lo- uh, One Night in Miami last year and he played Malcolm X and he was incredible in that film. So look, I haven't seen him in action, but I know that he can pull off. He has the chops to be. He's an incredible yeah, actor. He got incredibly snubbed for that film last year. I'm like absolutely kind of shocked that like he didn't get anything for that. And it's also that kind of one, not that it makes any, not that it makes any impact on his casting to bond. It's the sort of film where you watch it and then you're like, and then you realize afterwards, it's like, Oh wait, you're British. I had no idea. <laughs> but, but oh, I think that's good. I think your second, second choice was, I haven't heard of him, which is, which is perfect because yeah, well, I'm, I'm, it, I'm, I'm interested. Unknown route. I'm interested to, I, I don't know if he's necessarily unknown, but like, like my first exposure to him was, um, was uh one night in miami so um I'll, let's just have a quick look at him but yeah like i think he would be a really i've heard rumblings that he could be bond and i'm like yeah i like that choice i really like that choice um he was also on the tv show i think he was also on the oa and um high fidelity like the tv shows of those so like he's mainly done i guess mainly done more tv but yeah you know well, well i think he'd be a really good pick for bond and he's he's 35 so i think he's probably like the prime age now to to be bond because- Craig was thirty six when they released Casino Royale. I think so. So it yeah. would be would be would be that perfect that perfect time frame because they want they want they're gonna want a guy that lasts four to five films. Yeah, they don't want the, at least four to five films long term because they're gonna be spaced out because it, it's gonna easily be another two three years before the next one. Yeah, and before is the there anyone? Can... Is there anybody that you have in mind that you would like to see play Bond? Oh, that's a good question. I really should have. I really should have prepared for this, <laughs> but, but that, that that's but that's okay. But we're being spontaneous. Um, no, I, if I looked it up during the day, I probably would have something for you. But I have nothing, mm. nothing at the moment. But if I had a bit more time, I definitely would have had a, a few options. But 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 if I had to say my a, not a specific preference, but like I said before, it's got to be not an A-lister British. Youngish, the thirty-five, and you would have your perfect, and has all that, the all, all the qualities of a good, um, the qualities yeah. of a good Bond character. Yeah, has has Pick has him. has the physicality, has the intensity, but also has yeah. the charm, and uh, yeah, I'll get to say the wit as well. Of Bond, yeah, as long know. as someone, any of the actors, the actor they pick has all that, then I'm fine with them. Yeah, personally. Yeah, I mean, but that's the, I mean, that's the other thing though. But like my two, my two choices, both actors of color as well. That's gonna, I mean, if either of those guys are cast, that's gonna cause an uproar from, you know, the very. I mean, that's the other thing you got to remember about Bond as well that uh, their their super fans are crusty old British dudes that hate everything and are normally normally a lot of the time very very diversity yeah. adverse. We, yeah, they will factor that in. When they choose this, yeah, choose but the, I, I hope they factor that in and ignore those dickheads. <laughs> so no, they, they, I reckon they will, but I reckon they'll still, yeah, they definitely will try and make it as obviously diverse as possible, but still keep Bond uh, true to form. Yeah, and also if the Broccoli's are listening, or if MGM, any of the stakeholders of at Eon or MGM or anyone that works within Bond are listening, please send Bond to Australia in Bond Twenty Six. We need. <laughs> Bond has never in the 25 films Bond has never been to Australia that needs to change imagine Bond imagine imagine Bond in the outback and having a giant lair in the outback or something like that yeah well or, I, or I, even, well this is also my chase. dream my dream Bond film would be like say say if it goes Bond goes towards the campy route have Henry Golding as Bond 
then you he has a mission in Australia. I don't know. He has to, I don't know. Maybe there's a Rupert Murdoch type. Maybe, maybe do just tomorrow never dies, but do it in Australia. Uh, have like a, yeah. a Rupert Murdoch type and make him, here's the thing, or just do whatever and have Ben Mendelsohn as a Bond villain. Please give me that. Oh, yeah, I need be Ben Mendelsohn as a Bond villain. And also <laughs> since he auditioned for the role in the eighties, when I think Dalton was up for it and apparently he kind of bombed his audition and didn't do very well. Get Sam Neill in as like a Felix Leiter s like make him like an ASIO guy or someone and bring him in and be like Bond. Oh yeah, so that'd be Australia. That'd be awesome. Sam Neill would have been a good Bond in the eighties. Yeah, well, I, I think he would have been very Roger Moorish. Yeah, well, I think I think his screen test is up like a part of his screen test is on YouTube. If you want to go watch that, oh, uh, I'll have to. He kind of, I think I've heard him interviewed about it, and he's. Kind of feels embarrassed, a little bit embarrassed by it, to be honest, I think. No, but, oh, oh yeah, here it is. It even has him doing, oh. I'm pretty sure it's the, and I'm pretty sure it's the From Russia With Love train scene that they, they every Bond actor, every actor that auditions or screen tests for Bond has to do that scene with, I think, Red Grant and Bond on the train from, yeah. in From Russia With Love. Yeah, that's definitely the one. But that, but that, he would have been good. But I reckon, but yeah. Yeah, if you're listening, Eon, listen to what Sean said. Yeah. Please do that. Do it. <laughs> All right. Um, that, that's about that's uh, Unless you have anything more to say about No Time to Die, I would think we're just final thoughts of being like, I've had, as we said, we've had a few days to sit on it now. And um, in terms of Craig's, in the ranking of Craig's, like I told you as soon as we came out of the screening, that it hasn't really changed. So my ranking of Craig's would be Casino Royale at the top, which I think is still the absolute best Bond film. And to be honest, it's yeah. the best action film of the 2000s. Sorry, Dark Knight. Yeah. Casino yeah. Royale is the best action film of the 2000s. Uh, I, 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 at the moment, because I'm a coward, I've still got Skyfall and um, No Time to Die tied. But I think No Time to Die might be a teeny bit above it. And then so I guess, yeah, I guess I'll go for now. Casino Royale, recency bias will put me uh, No Time to Die second then uh, Skyfall third, then Quantum, then Spectre. And in terms of all 25 films, um, I mean, we'll be here all night if we go into that, but um, yeah. I don't really have it ranked within all of that yet, but um, maybe on a, sec uh, on a second viewing, uh, that's going to change. And, you know, I'll finally put it into my rankings once the second viewing yeah. is had. But overall, like, I loved it, and I've been thinking about it uh, a lot since we saw it. And, you know, it... It did. It, it really got to me. I'll, I'll give my rankings as well. Um, mine's. I think it's pretty. Mine's pretty much the same as yours. It'll be Casino, No Time, No Time, uh, Skyfall, Quantum, Spectre. But uh, but as you said, Scott. If I I have to watch. It's been ages since. Been probably nearly over a year now since we watched Skyfall last time around. So maybe on the second viewing, that might third viewing be for me. Might that might change. But yeah. Pretty much the same as yours. Yeah. No time to die in second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thinking more about this film, I really love it. And I think yeah. I probably have it in same. the top. I think, it, you know, in the, the 25 ranking, obviously I'm not going to pull up Letterboxd and like, <laughs> you know, put it right in my official Bond ranking, which you can look at if you uh, follow me at Letterboxd at, uh, at letterboxd.com forward slash Sean Coates. We'll get into the rest of the plugs in just a sec. But I think it would probably definitely be in my top 10. Probably definitely, you know, a very, very determined in saying that in my top 10. Oh, I'd be the same. I would have to have a look at it, but I'd be very confident putting it there as well. I have to have a look at it again. Yep. So what please, 
you know, if you feel safe, if you're fully vaccinated, please obviously go get vaccinated if you haven't been fully double dosed already because you can't experience the magic of the cinema if you're not fully vaxxed. Yeah, so please, yeah, make sure you get fully get vaxxed. vaxxed. Make sure you get fully vaxxed before uh, Thursday, November 11th so you can go see James Bond in the cinemas. And if that's your first trip back to the cinemas after lockdown, I cannot think of a more perfect and it's fitting a, it's way a, it's a, to go It's back. a perfect return. The perfect return. Yeah, and also I have uh, news that came to me just today that apparently this film is going to digital on the US this Tuesday. So if you, have a, well. if you have a Twitter account in Australia, uh, please just make sure that you have all that shit muted because dumbass Americans are probably going to put uh, spoilers uh, all over the timeline um, within seconds of that film dropping on digital because as soon as as soon as the digital drops, there's a torrent is going to come out and that will then be a free for all and, and then there will be clips all over the timeline which you will want to avoid so please just you know see it get see it whenever you can but just do your best to try to avoid spoilers yeah just keep that in mind because I've, literally we you and i we we went in literally blind to watch we we didn't, well, I'd, we didn't I'd hear seen nothing. some trail i'd seen some trailers but trailers. i don't know any of besides them. the trailers on tv I knew nothing about this film. Hmm. I went completely blind and I think that's what helped us enjoy it. Yeah. And also the, the social media hashtag for this film, like it, the, you know, normally the slate they put on the screen at the, the press screening, which is normally the poster of the film or like, welcome to this screening of No Time to Die. It just had the film's logo and be like, hashtag. please don't spoiler the film. And it said, hashtag no time for spoilers. No time for spoilers, which is, which is a very good hashtag. But, but yeah, it, it I think it. I think going into this movie completely, like any movie, going completely blind will 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 help you. And, it, mm. and this needs to be seen without spoilers. Yep. Especially no this one. It has the it has the ABMP seal of approval. This movie, guys. So make sure you go see it on November 11th. Of course, if you're fully vaccinated. So yes. Get that done, and then go see Bond. Get fully vaccinated, then to celebrate, go see Bond. And then go out for dinner or something afterwards. I don't know. Do, just do what you like after you get vaccinated. But if you don't want to get vaccinated, get fucked. <laughs> if you're an anti-vaxxer, get fucked. Okay, uh, that about wraps us up here. So thanks, Matt, for joining me. And I really enjoyed this oh, conversation. Right. No, even yeah, even yeah, though it's been a lot it of fun wasn't... Doing this. Yeah, well, I mean, this is our first... This is uh, ABMP's first episode since June. So, you know, I've really been... You know, lockdowns really should have made this show flourish, you know, because there's all this time. And like, I even had to do uh, two weeks isolation during the during the lockdown as well, because someone at my workplace uh, tested positive for COVID. So I had to, and even in that time, I was like, I just don't have any energy, energy to podcast. And, you know, I'm hoping to start get back into it now, but now I'm about to start night shift over the Christmas period at my work. So, <laughs> you know, this... The, I, I'm going to try to do this again. I want to get the um, uh, the podcast at Hanging Rock series completely, like fully going. I've still got a list of like 30. I've got a list of about 30 people um, and the films that they want to do to slow, slowly start to work through at some point and get that I going. I, I think I'm one of them as well. So yes, you might you get to hear to do, my voice again. You want to do The Castle, which I might say yes. that till next year because I believe next year is going to be the 25th anniversary of The Castle. Oh, yes, good so idea. I might wait until then. So you have to wait till then to hear my glorious voice again. Yes, yes, until then. <laughs> but wait, but if people can't get enough of your glorious voice or your glorious opinions about certain things about film and Bond, uh, where can they find you online, Matt? Uh, on alrighty, on oh, you can find my letterbox, which I seldom use uh, when I bothered to watch something and log it in. Um, it's at look up example uh, example law, 
Um, and same on Twitter at example or I finally put my first name on my Twitter profile and that's and that's where you can find me and you can hear all my little ramblings and stuff and replies and retweets um, that I do so that's where you can go to find me awesome uh, is example I've, I've never thought to ask this uh, is example or a reference to anything <laughs> well when I initially made it it was it's a it was a mishmash of um, a couple of uh, models of cars was also I was talking with another mate about it, about uh, making a username for something. It's like, oh, I want to make, I was, I was for something, another, for a game or something. And then we said, combine two models of car together. And that's how we came um, came up with it. I can't remember which ones, but that's how the name came up. So it was a while ago that happened. Though. Wow. So that's we where you can find me. We didn't even mention the James Bond cars. How about that? <laughs> oh, no, we, did, oh, no, we didn't. Um, oh, well, the, well, the DB5, which is the one with the Gatling gun doughies, that's pretty cool. Um, isn't there the one from On Her Majesty's the DB is it the yep. DBS DB something? DB oh, I can't remember. Um, he's, dri- he's driving a like, land, he's driving a Land Rover in Jamaica as well. Yeah, it, um, it was actually a Toyota. Oh, was it? It was a Land Cruiser Prado. Oh, really? It was a Land Cruiser Prado, but they were getting chased by Land Rovers, is what you said. Oh, okay. Oh no, I've, I've got the uh, I've got the official No Time to Die 2021 16 month calendar here, and for March it's Bond in Jamaica, and he's driving a Land Rover Series Three. It says on the camera. Oh, oh, he drives that in in at the beginning of Jamaica, oh, yes, right. but not during the chase scene. Right. Yeah, so okay. As we were saying, that's where you can and then find he's me. Got the, and then he's got the Aston Martin V8 when he goes back to London. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just I'm just going through all of the uh, the 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 monthly ones now. Um, where am I up to? I haven't had this hanging up on my wall, stupidly. Um, so November at the moment. Oh, I've got a picture of Saturn for November. Ugh. No offense to you, Rami Malik, but it's just you just remind me of how um, unremarkable that character was in that film. Yeah, I'll, I'll so, just so, I'll just go back to April where uh, Paloma is there. It's just yeah, gonna be just have, it's just, just gonna be that on display. It's just gonna be April twenty twenty one all the time for yeah. me because it's you know not, we, well, you know what April twenty twenty one was a good time. The footy season yeah. just started back up again. Yeah. We weren't in lockdown. You know, it was good times. And good it times. reminded me of a Simpsons quote. It's not. It's like. Well, why would you throw this case? It's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring? Mm. <laughs> the, tomorrow that. might bring tomorrow but, might bring the lousy smart weather. Who knows? Yes. yes. So the, anyway, the, as you heard those usernames before, that's where you can uh, find me on, <laughs> on, on the was a weird on the we went on. That's oh, a tangent. Man. You can find me on the interwebs there. Uh, it's not a podcast unless you go on a weird tangent. Yes. And then also it's not a podcast if you don't plug yourself at the end, which is what I'm doing right now. So please subscribe to us wherever you get your good podcasts and also your bad podcasts. The quality of this podcast is uh, all determined on how you perceive us. So yeah. you know what? That's where we are. And you can subscribe to us uh, on Spotify. Uh, we're now on Stitcher, so you can follow us on Stitcher as well. Um, we're on SoundCloud for the time being, but um, I don't know if we're going to be on SoundCloud much longer because I've switched hosts from SoundCloud to Anchor, mainly because uh, Anchor is free. Anchor's and I've been paying, I've been paying uh, way too much to put it on SoundCloud. So uh, we're on Anchor now, and Anchor also distributes me to other podcast sites. So basically, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. And also, please hit subscribe. And also, if whichever podcast app you're using has a review function please if you enjoy the show rate us five stars and leave a glowing review that would really help the show especially since we're about to get going again uh hopefully 
you know, <laughs> and uh, become a real podcast this time. Um, you know, we'll do that there. And also you can follow us um, on, uh, on our socials. We, we can like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at AB Movie Podcast and an Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. As I've said before, those are quite inactive, but if people go and follow those, they will become more active. And also, you know, once we start putting out more episodes, they will become way more active. I can almost guarantee that. Um, and then you can also follow me on uh, all of my, you know, social platforms and things like that. I am on Instagram at SeanHub underscore. I am at Twitter at the very same uh uh, uh, handle as well and you can also find me on letterboxd as i said uh, letterboxd.com forward slash sean coates no no spaces no capitals all just my my name sean coates all as the at basically and also you can read my more written stuff uh in my more longer form written stuff you can just find my weird movie shit posts over on letterboxd but then you can also find my proper journalistic in uh <laughs> massive air quotes uh reviews over at moviebabble.com you can read the stuff that i've done there um i did i had the pleasure of covering the toronto international film festival back in september i reviewed a number of films for the website and then also did a an episode of the movie babble podcast with uh fellow babbler uh brennan dubay who actually got to who is from canada and actually visited uh the film festival and actually went there uh you know actually went there personally uh whereas i just did it uh, covered the festival remotely so you can go listen to that and then also read uh my reviews from tiff and my other reviews from the site and also the reviews from the plethora of other great writers over at moviebabble.com so go over there to moviebabble.com so and thank you all for listening please you know get vaccinated do the whole thing go back to the movies and start living life again you know enjoy yourselves yes. responsibly obviously responsibly. Yes, always always and responsibly. only and only if you're double vaccinated you know yes. keep that get it mind. done always get it done mind. guys get it done and thanks for listening and whenever we'll see you next time please listen in then and we will see you then have a good one guys bye bye no 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 sorry this is the best this is the sign off that we should do for the show okay the, it should be another bloody movie podcast will return oh, when yes. when i don't know we don't know but another bloody oh, movie pod, another bloody movie podcast will return see you later